Good morning, church. Super Bowl Sunday. Hopefully you're gathered uh, with some people you love, whether it's your family um, or you're preparing to gather with some folks online and uh, or you're with your house church. We're just we're just glad you're part of the conversation today that we're having. We're we're setting ourselves um, aside for a conversation together on Sundays. And um, but before we get into that conversation, I just want to take a second to share some thank yous. Uh, so much happens behind the scenes to help coordinate um, us being together. And for many months now, there have been people who have been hosting your house church. There have been people who have been leading your house church and putting things online and all this to make this work. And so I want you to be able to, heck, even pause the video right now and just thank your house church. Thanks the, thank you the, to, to the hosts, uh, to your leaders. Um, and, and I just want to say thank you to Trent Mulliken as well. Uh, Trent came on in the transition um, after Elliot uh, left our staff as our worship leader. Trent came on to be the interim worship leader. Um, but we still haven't really gotten a chance to do that in person a ton. And so he has been faithfully just editing video and doing a lot of things behind the scene. And so I just want a, a huge shout out to Trent um, on that. Um, and so here's where we're at, okay? We're in the middle of a conversation about the who that we wanna be as a church. There's been so much conversation about how churches operate. And we've been affected, obviously, with the pandemic and, and having to rent space, and it's not our own space, on how we operate as a church. But I think it's really important for us as we have a conversation about how we will operate again as a church. Uh, I think that needs to come from who God wants us to be. And really, this vision series is about the who. And it's about following Jesus um, not just with our minds, not just with um, our uh, attention to Sunday mornings or things like that. It's actually following Jesus with our whole complete self. And the reason why this is a little bit of a tricky conversation, is it has to do with things in our lives that we're not totally aware of. And, and how emotion comes out in our lives that we're not totally sure what that's tethered to. So we've had conversations about the fact that you and I show up as real human, whole human beings with a story. That we have a story. And part of that story is our choices. Part of that story is the stuff that has happened to us and around us. And then we also had this, this uh, conversation about how there's a lot of us that when we show up in relationship with other people, that there's certain things that people see that's above the surface, above the waterline. There's things that people don't see. There's even things that you and I don't recognize in ourselves. And so we want to talk about awareness. We want to talk about, you know, the things that have affected us and the way we are as human beings. We talked about generational sin. And to be honest with you, for some of you, um, I could feel your arms just kind of crossed, you know, just listening to that conversation because it's painful. And 
many of us have grown up in the Christian world uh, with this idea that uh, once I met Jesus, uh, my past was behind me and I don't need to think about it or talk about it anymore, which couldn't be further from the truth. And so some of you have taken the I guess the, uh, the encouragement to look back. And it's not all bad. I, we're not trying to do that. What we're trying to do is just give us more awareness about who we are and, and what our family of origin was like. We talked about brokenness and vulnerability. We talked about how it's really important for us. Is once we are open with the brokenness that has happened to us, through us, and around us, um, in the safety of community, like that we can just be honest and vulnerable, actually leads to transformation. And it actually encourages the rest of us to engage in that as well. That's the kind of community we want to be. And last week, we talked about limits. That you and me are created with limits. And out of these limits, we can actually have an opportunity to worship God and be grateful with how God has created us. So this week, we're going to jump into another topic. Before we do, I want to pray for us. I want to set us up for what God might be wanting to share. Father, this morning, we are setting aside uh, time. We are setting aside room in our minds and in our hearts and in our homes for you to do work, for you to encourage us, for you to challenge us, for you to show us uh, what it looks like to be um, emotionally healthy, to be f apprentices that seek to follow you with our complete lives, not just our minds, not just our Sunday mornings, but with everything in our life, the who of who we are. And so God, prepare us for this as we talk about what forgiveness looks like. Pray these things in your name. Amen. So today we're talking about forgiveness. And some of you are like, I'm out. <laughs> you know, it's like a, it's a difficult conversation. Uh, it's one that uh, I think is just so complex and so uh, woven within Scripture that I think many times... We think we have a grasp about forgiveness. We have, a, we have an understanding and we can just grab a hold of it. And in other times, we feel like it's completely impossible. C.S. Lewis once said this. He said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until we have something to forgive. And the reality is, is if we want to be the kind of people, remember the who... We need, to, we need to push into this idea of forgiveness. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about forgiveness. What does it look like to be a forgiving people? What does it look like to uh, really, really understand and experience the forgiveness of God? In a world that doesn't like forgiveness. In a world right now that literally is finding any way to push people aside, um, to chop people out of our lives that have done harm to us and pain to us, what does it look like to be a people of forgiveness? 
And how important would it be to be the kind of people that begin to model forgiveness in this world? Now, there's a spectrum when it comes to forgiveness. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, there's, there's, you didn't call me back. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. There's this idea of forgiveness um, that can come from even small little things. And then there's like, DUI driver killed my, my friend or my loved one kind of forgiveness. And it's this spectrum of little things and big things and, and things that have happened to me in the past that I don't want to even think about. And, and the reality is, is that any dynamic relationship, if we want to have a dynamic relationship with other human beings, forgiveness has to play a part. Um, we're not strangers to the concept of forgiveness. And yet it's a very complex thing to think about and to enter into. And so thankfully, as apprentices of Jesus, we have Jesus as our guide. And we must start with God and Jesus. We must start with this idea of forgiveness from a story in the life of Jesus is just kind of like our, our stepping stone into where we're going this morning. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him, Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him. Remember, this was in his head. <laughs> Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One, owned five, one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman. He said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her, her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is just kind of the beginning story for us, the beginning piece of this conversation about forgiveness. But what we see in this story, what we see in this account in the life of Jesus, 
this very real account in the life of Jesus, is that this crazy contrast between this Pharisee, who's not humble, who's got all the religious uh, things figured out in his life, who knows the difference of, of the status in the structure of things, that he is um, a religious elite, and this woman is actually um, holding Israel back from its promise. And then you have this woman who's living a sinful life. Some believe that she's a prostitute. Um, she has a negative reputation in this town. And you can see the great contrast in these two characters. And what's interesting is this woman shows up at this house. She knows full well that uh, she's not invited. She knows full well that her presence is going to be looked down on. And she, but she is overcome by her own sin and brokenness to the point that her getting close to Jesus, to, for her weeping and worshiping Jesus, is really the only thing that she can do. And now, Jesus tells the story of these two great debts, and one's way bigger than the other, and um, he, he comes to the conclusion by asking these questions, which, which of these debts do you think this person is more uh, thankful for uh, their forgiveness and obviously the, the greater debt? The idea behind this is that Jesus is saying those who have been forgiven much will love much, that there's actually uh, a, a direct correlation with uh, how much we've been forgiven and how much we will love. And what's interesting is this beautiful insight into the power of forgiveness. That actually forgiveness has a, a ripple effect outside of us. That, that it, our experiencing the forgiveness of God actually has everything to do with how we love people. Now, she experiences forgiveness. And Jesus tells her to go in peace. Now, that word peace is not the absence of war. That word peace is this idea of safety and health and fullness and wholeness and, and rest. I mean, you think about this woman's life and how just unpeaceful it had been. How difficult and unsafe and unhealthy and unfull and unwhole and unrestful it had been. And because of her laying down her, her, her opening up her life to her brokenness and, and spilling it at Jesus's feet, she experienced forgiveness. She experienced peace. Now, here's the thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness does that. It's um, and this is not the only story about forgiveness in the life of Jesus. This is just one of many stories in the life of Jesus about forgiveness. And, and, and ultimately, it's one of the many stories in Scripture about forgiveness, all the way from Genesis all the way to the cross and, and beyond. And, and forgiveness, uh, one scholar said, forgiveness in the kingdom of God is the air we breathe, uh, the food we eat, and it's the rest we have. Another, another scholar uh, talks about how the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, uh, forgiveness is the oxygen we breathe. That is the basis for who we are as followers of Jesus. 
Now, here's the thing. The opposite of forgiveness, which is unforgiveness, is a life of bitterness and hiding and running. And it tends to be an, an enormous obstacle in our life in the kingdom. It, it, it's, it's a roadblock. That when we experience unforgiveness towards somebody else, it's actually a roadblock for us moving forward. We are stuck. And, uh, you know, forgiveness is, is ultimately what begins to help us take that next step in our relationship with God. Now, check out Matthew chapter 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus takes a moment to talk about forgiveness. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I've tried to exegete this, study this in a way to make it not say what that just said. And you can't do it. Jesus is literally saying, that our forgiveness of others is directly correlating God's forgiveness to us. What he's saying is, is that, in, in a sense, we all need forgiveness. We will all be the offended, and we will all be the offender, and we all are both of those things at the same time, the offended and the offender. And Jesus is clear, and I wish I could explain this away, and I can't explain this away. And, and actually, what forgiveness is, ultimately, is more about maintaining a relationship with God than it is anything else. It's about what living life to the full actually means. And so, unforgiveness keeps us, in a sense, roadblocked from what God actually wants to do in our life. Now, the message of forgiveness is actually really, really catalytic in our lives, and it has many implications. And when I look back on my life, some of the biggest moments of growth in my life were the forgiveness that I've experienced from others and the forgiveness that I've had to give to others. Now, the reality we start with is Jesus taught about forgiveness, and he embodied it. And if our journey to apprentice Jesus is to become more like Jesus, then we need to ask the question, how do we do this? Why does it matter? Because the reality is our world is desperate to see forgiveness in action. Our, our world needs to see it modeled. And so let's, let's start really quick, quick. Uh, quith is not a word. Let's start really quick with the idea of what forgiveness is not. Because I think that's, uh, we need to like push away these, these goofy twisted ideas of what we think forgiveness is in our head. And we're going to start with this one. The first one that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not forgetting. You've heard the phrase forgive and forget. 
And that phrase has made its way into the church. And here's how it's made its way into Christian teaching. We are taught to forgive like Jesus. We just read Matthew 6. And this idea of forgiveness. And what do we know? We know that Jesus forgives us unconditionally. Right? We know that God forgives us unconditionally. And there's some beautiful uh, Old Testament poetry about God separating the sin in our lives. That is from the east, is from the west, and he's removed our sin from us. And this idea in Jeremiah that, that God remembers the sins of his people no more. And what we do is we think, well, if we have to forgive like God and Jesus, then, then we have to remember, we, can't, we have to forget people's sins against us. We have to forget it. Forget about it, put it away, not think about it. And that's actually, this is something that is, that is inherently false. Um, for trying to forget someone's sin against us, trying to forget someone's hurt uh, uh, or, or abuse or whatever against us is actually impossible. And what happens is it actually suffocates us. It, it, it has this ugly way of turning things around on us. And it has this way of actually saying, okay, if you can't forget it, then you can't forgive. And if you can't forgive, then God's not going to forgive you. Listen, we all have, we're beings, okay, that we are created to remember. We are created with a, a mind and a memory and an intellect. And in scripture, over and over, it says, uh, God wants the people of Israel to remember, right? Remember that I took you out of Egypt. Remember all the things that I've done for you. And God wants them to call, recall, to bring to mind all the things that he's done for them, right? And so we have access to our memories, uh, and, we're and they're framed in a way that we understood them as they happened. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. God never asks us to forgive and forget. In fact, this idea in Jeremiah of remembering their sins no more does not mean that God uh, wiped his memory clean and erased his memory of the sins of Israel. That's not what the word remember means. See, in Hebrew, the word remember means to, to bring to mind. God doesn't forget their sins. God has just chosen not to bring them to mind. And so listen to this quote. It says, in scripture, we learn that remember means bring into active memory, memory so that attitude and action are impacted. So that's why when God says, remember what I've done for you, remember, he wants us to bring to mind the things that God has done for us so that our action, right, and our attitude follow suit. But he says, like God, we do not remember we do not not remember the sin. So it does not influence future relationship. Like God, we do not erase the fact of the sin from knowledge. In case of God, that would contradict his omniscience. So the idea here is not to uh, erase it from our memory, but not keep bringing it to, uh, to mind that it influences our actions and our attitudes. We're going to talk about more about this in a second, but forgiveness is not forgetting. Second thing is this, forgiveness is not a feeling. The reality is, is that most of the time we don't feel like forgiving. 
the most of the time that uh, we have to decide over and over again against what we feel to forgive somebody. We have to name the hurt. We have to name the feeling. And then we need to step forward, okay, um, with the Spirit to make that happen. And we'll get into more of this conversation here in a bit, but forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not something we feel. We have to wait for the special feelings to come in order to forgive somebody. The third one is this. Forgiveness is not saying that something is not a sin. It's calling what happened to us what it is. Someone sinned against us. Someone hurt us. Someone lied to us. Someone betrayed us. Someone abused us. Someone talked about us behind our back. Whatever it is. Remember the definition of brokenness we, we dropped on you a couple weeks ago. Brokenness comes from the sin that happens to us, happens around us, and happens through us. And I think that's really important for us to understand, that we have to name what it is. And that forgiveness is not saying something is not a sin. Forgiveness is actually naming it for what it is. We'll get into the definition of forgiveness here in a second. The fourth one is this. Forgiveness is not having to allow someone who is toxic back into your life. So actually, sometimes this is what forget and forget people do. They, they put uh, the onus, okay, of, uh, of that phrase on the person who was hurt. And this is, this is like... I just want to understand, I want you to understand this is not a Christian doormat syndrome. So um, this idea that you have to forgive someone and immediately continue to let them in your life. You don't have to do that. And when we talk about abuse, when we talk about um, all the things that have happened in your life, um, need to understand that forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is a step and it's a tool towards reconciliation but it is not reconciliation. And so you can forgive someone and you don't have to seek reconciliation. You don't have to figure out a way for them to operate um, as they do in your life. Um, and so we'll get into all of this as we go, but I just want to tell you what forgiveness is not. It's not reconciliation. The fifth one is this. Forgiveness is rarely a one-time event. Many times it is, many times it, it could be, but rarely is it, especially on the big stuff that we've experienced in our lives. Forgiveness is rarely a one-time thing. It's not a one-moment thing. It's, it's a choosing it over and over. In fact, it's actually a practice, and it's a discipline. And it's a discipline that actually takes our whole selves to be a part of it. So we're talking about rewiring your brain, uh, the ways we think, the way we recall, all those kinds of things are involved in it. So we want to make sure that we talk about what forgiveness is not before we talk about what it is. And how we proceed forward as people of forgiveness. Because the basis of what it looks like to be forgiven actually comes from a, the, you know, the story in, in in Luke 7 that we talked about, this idea of God's 
overwhelming, unmerited love and forgiveness for us is, is the bedrock for which we stand as we walk forward in forgiveness. But we talked about what it's not. Let's talk about what it is. Here's a definition of forgiveness. I'm going to throw it out to you. Some of you initially might not like it. And um, that's usually how this works. Um, I throw out some information. You have to wrestle with it. Um, here's a definition. The personal act to release the one who sinned against me from my personal right to collect on the moral debt to pay them back for their, for their offense, giving it over to God for his justice and mercy. I'll read it one more time. The personal act to release the one who sinned against me from my personal right to collect on the moral debt for their offense, giving it over to God for his justice and mercy. So what does that actually mean practically? What does that actually mean? Well, it means we return the right, okay? The first thing it does is we return the right to God to take care of justice. We actually give that back to God. We trust in God to work on our behalf. And, and what that does is not only builds our trust in God, but it actually frees us from sinning against that person and experiencing that potential bondage of, of, that we would find ourselves in of, of, of trying to find justice and mercy, I mean, justice and revenge on our own. It's actually freeing God to be God and freeing us to trust in his goodness. Second thing it does is forgiveness actually means that we will determine and want good and not evil. It's actually a determination in us that we want good and not evil. The reality is hurt people hurt people. And so when we talk about brokenness, we talked about generational sin. We talk about the fact that brokenness happens around us through us and to us. And, and the through us part is what we're really concentrating on here. That in any bad thing that happens to us, we have the opportunity to seek good and to seek good for the other person. Now, this is very difficult because the common denominator is evil. The common denominator is brokenness and sin. And you and I are called to hate evil and to hate sin. And so what this means is forgiveness is actually means for us to choose good and not evil. And not pass on brokenness through us to others. And it's this idea of wanting for that person even though you don't have to be in a relationship with them anymore, you want freedom and good things for them. It's a pressing in on the narrative of the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God can bring good from evil. That the kingdom of God is about trusting that God is able to restore us and rebuild us. Another thing that forgiveness is, is forgiveness is an unmerited gift. It's something that someone doesn't deserve. It's something that you and I don't deserve. 
It's not earned. It's given. And it's this really weird, uh, this is why we have to forgive over and over again, because there's times in our lives where we just like, they didn't deserve that. They didn't earn that. They didn't, they didn't do anything to deserve it. And I keep having to give it. I keep having to feel it. And it's this idea, it's this, like, it's a really a true act of love. And when we see our hurt through the cross, it changes it. So that's what can forgiveness is. It is an unmerited gift. It's also forgiveness is, and this is a really difficult one, one that we're not comfortable with, but forgiveness is a means that we will absorb pain in our lives. That we actually, as followers of Jesus, as disciples and apprentices wanting to be more like Jesus, actually have to find ways to absorb into us the pain that has happened to us and not shoot it back. There's a great movie called The Green Mile. It's one of my favorites. And it's the story, it's written by Stephen King, so some of you are like, nope. It's a story of a uh, death row at a uh, prison back in time. I think it's in the 30s. And there's a death row inmate named John Coffey. And John Coffey has this unique ability to absorb the brokenness and the sin that is inside people. And he absorbs it into his, his own self and he releases it. And this is just a beautiful image, a beautiful picture of what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus when we've been hurt, when we've been done things that are unjust, that, that have happened to us, that part of forgiveness is absorbing that real pain. And it's hard. And it's really, really painful. And it's easy for me to stand up here by myself in this big room <laughs> and talk about forgiveness. And I can give you some really sweet little quotes and with flowers on them and things like that. <laughs> and, and, and try to make you feel encouraged when it comes to forgiveness. But for some of you, forgiveness seems impossible. It literally seems impossible. Some of you have dug into your family of origin story. Some of you have been uh, literally wounded physically, mentally, emotionally by people. And so I want to recognize the spot that many of us find ourselves today. I mean, you almost turned this off when I said we were talking about forgiveness. And especially sometimes from a church perspective. Maybe you've heard forgive and forget. Maybe you've heard, um, you know, you feel this kind of shame and guilt. That God forgave you. Why can't you forgive them? That kind of stuff. And I just want to recognize the spot that this puts us. Okay? On the one hand, forgiveness literally seems impossible to you. Impossible. Immovable object. And at the same time, for unforgiveness 
is robbing you of your freedom, your life, and your joy. And you're stuck with that. Can't forgive this person. And by not forgiving them, it's robbing me of my life. Hebrews talks about, and this is Hebrews 12, 15, talks about bitterness being like a poison. That unforgiveness, actually, at, at any stage, whatever the stage, it affects everyone around you. That holding that unforgiveness, that bitterness, that frustration, that anger is actually robbing you of freedom and joy in life. But it actually has a ripple effect on everybody around you. It keeps you from being in an actual relationship with other people. It burrows down in your life. And the call of the disciple, the call for many of us, is that when we feel stuck because of unforgiveness, that we actually have to do the hard work of weeding out that unforgiveness by the root, of digging deep. For some of you, that actually might take actual professional counseling. And I just want to encourage you, that has to happen. For you to move forward in your life and following Jesus and being the kind of person that God wants you to be in a loving, joy-filled, uh, scar-wearing, but joy-filled, loving uh, person that, you, that God wants you to be, you actually have to dig deep and get at these roots of unforgiveness for freedom, for literal freedom in your life. I want to encourage you that forgiveness is not easy and it may seem impossible, but it's not impossible. And you have to share it with others. You have to share this burden of unforgiveness with others because people want to walk this with you. And so we, we've got to reflect on forgiveness. We've got to reflect on what we've received from God so that we can love people much, that we can love people more that we can love people fully. And it sounds simple, but it's really hard. And I'm not trying to create some emotional forgiveness moment here. You know, come to the altar and there's like piano and, and there's, there's emotion. I'm not trying to create that here. Please hear me. I'm not trying to create that. I'm not trying to manipulate you. At the same time, the spirit may be moving in you. Maybe there's a little small voice that's saying, hey, let's, let's pay attention to this. Maybe there's a next step for you to take. But I do want to encourage you that we are long game people. Okay? We are long game people. We are people of the future. We believe in transformation. We believe that forgiveness has a way to restore a relationship between us and other people. Um, and, and we want to be the people, the kind of people who are like Jesus. That's what we want to be. We want to be the kind of people who are like Jesus. We want to be honest about the hurts and the pain that has happened to us. And we want to look and see how we absorb that pain, how we love people, how we give, uh, in a sense, God his justice back. And, and, and it frees us up from this, this, this bitterness 
that we want to be the people who are, are warmer and more genuine, that we are emotionally present and hopeful, that we are at peace with who we are in the midst of the pain and brokenness that has happened to us. That's who we want to be. A people who are transformed by our pain, a people who don't transmit our pain. Now, for some of you, that might be this idea of just positioning yourself. If there's any way, God, will you make a way? Ten years ago, I left a job. And actually, it was almost coming up on 11 years ago. I left a job um, to go to seminary full time. And I left this job. And it's hard to leave a job where you're really involved and people in people's lives, and I, I leave this job, and I begin to hear things um, about uh, my old boss and, and some things he'd said uh, about me, and I begin to hear stories and versions of stories that begin to paint me um, in a light that um, was not very pleasing. Now, the hard part about this is I'm a people pleaser. Meaning, if someone's angry with me, I want to figure this out. I want to, I want to get with you and, and, and kind of smooth it out. Even if we disagree, I, I, want to, I want to do that. And so I fought hard at this job. I worked hard at this job. And um, I was getting blamed for things. I was getting lied about. I was, my, my reputation was getting tarnished. And even years later, you guys, years later, I'm still hearing stories that are untrue. Well, that fall in seminary, um, I had to take a class that was a credit. It was a mentoring class. And I had to sit with a group of people and we had to talk about our feelings. But you can imagine, I mean, I've told you these stories before. I don't like to be vulnerable. I did not like it. And I'm getting better, but I did not like it then. And, and our, our, our mentorship director, um, his name was Hobby. Um, and Hobby would actually ask us to do a check-in, an emotional check-in. He's like, uh, give me one word that you're feeling right now. And people would, would go around the circle and they would say their one word that they're feeling right now. And, and the first time I shared, I said, I'm feeling fine. Fine is my word. And he stopped and he looked at me and he goes, fine's not um, an emotion. And he's like, well, what are you feeling right now? And I began to share. I said, I feel angry. And as I began to meet with Hobby one-on-one, -on -one, he began to pull out from me why I'm angry. Church, you need to understand I was bitter. I, w I felt betrayed. I felt this person was throwing me under the bus, all that kind of stuff. It affected, this bitterness affected my relationship with my family it affected my relationship with my friends in my life because I was always defensive. What are they? What are they hearing? And what you know, all that kind of stuff. It affected my my thought life. It affected my. It affected what I ate. You guys, I was eating horribly. I was just jamming food in my face because I was so frustrated and, and sad and depressed. You know, the whole eat your feelings thing. Um, it was awful. And, and I, I wanted to get back at him and I wanted to um, set the record straight. I wanted to write a letter and send it out to everybody. I wanted to do whatever I could. And this guy, Hobby, pulled me aside and said, we need to talk about this. 
He said, what does forgiveness look like for you? I'm like, well, this doesn't, this isn't forgiveness. This is, this has nothing to do with forgiveness. This is about, I'm being wronged. So he had me read a little book. It was called Three Kings. It was the story of Absalom, David, and Saul. It's really the story of how David responded to Saul and to Absalom. And as he began to work me through this book, and he began to work me through this idea of forgiveness, I came to the understanding that my bitterness and my unforgiveness was keeping me, it was holding me back from being the person that God wanted me to be. Now, you cannot understand something. Forgiveness is, like I said, not a one-time thing. So I've had to continually forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive this person. I'm not in a relationship with this person. I don't have this person in my life anymore. I would not work for this person again. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is about letting God take control. You know, it's interesting. There's the story of Jesus. Someone asked him, how many times should we forgive? Seven times? And Jesus says, how about 70 times seven? Now, the idea behind that is not a, a formula. Like, so when I get to 490 times, do I, am I done forgiving this person? The idea behind that conversation with Jesus is, no, forgiveness actually might have to take place the rest of your life. It's a mindset. It's a practice. It's a discipline. And if we're honest, forgiveness is one of the most countercultural practices of Jesus. And by definition, forgiveness is an unmerited gift. It's given to someone who does not deserve it and has not earned it. Maybe for some of you today, you're stuck. And part of your stuckness is because you haven't fully experienced and and maybe it's been a long time since you've really felt the weight of your own sin and brokenness and God's forgiveness for you. Maybe you, some of you are stuck because you're like, I cannot get past this abuse, this hurt, this pain that's happened to me. And you actually may need professional help. And we want to help you do that. Um, you can send us. I mean, if you need, I, I have counselors. I, we have great people at our disposal that we can put you in touch with. But some of us, we just need to talk about forgiveness. We just need to make it part of a practice in our life. And so today in your house church, there are some simple uh, questions for us to talk about forgiveness. But I want to encourage you to take it a step further. Listed also on the house church guide is an extra practice. And this is a chance for you to maybe grab one, two, three people Get together for coffee, get, you know, you know, get together in a backyard, whatever, outdoors, whatever you want to do, and to walk through two steps of forgiveness. God's forgiveness for us, and potentially who we need to forgive in our lives. So I'm just going to leave that to us as I pray. God, this morning as we begin this conversation about forgiveness, this is the air we breathe as the kingdom of God. This is what has to be part of the intake into our lungs and, the, and, the, and, and what we expel into the world. It is the breath, the oxygen of the kingdom. Show us, God, what it looks like to be people of forgiveness. God, I pray for those right now who are just, they're literally been lifelong pain. 
And they see forgiveness as an absolute impossibility. And yet going on in their life with this bitterness is literally killing them. Will you step in? Will you soften them? Will you welcome them in your arms this morning as they wrestle with what it looks like to forgive?